to our continuing study in uh, the book of Jude. We are to verse 14, so let's just start right there. Then also as to these, that is the ungodly ones who have crept into the church, then also as to these, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied. Let's clarify who this Enoch is. We, uh, we see him first appear in um, Genesis chapter 5. There are, two Enoch, there are two Enochs, and he's mentioned these three times in the New Testament, in the uh, Bible. He's mentioned in Genesis 5, and that means that he's the godly Enoch. There's another Enoch in Genesis 4 who is the ungodly Enoch. He's the descendant from Cain. But this Enoch is the prophesying Enoch in Genesis 5. He's mentioned again in Hebrews 11, and then here in uh, in uh, the book of Jude, he's called the seventh from Adam. So that that identifies him as the godly Enoch uh, in in the godly uh, lineage uh, that is described there in that part of the Bible. Now, let's place him in his contemporary setting. He lives in the pre-flood world. He is living at the time when the world is totally collapsing in depravity and sin. So he uh, is ministering as a prophet, as, as a preacher, in a time of, of, of rapid decay and pollution with regard to spiritual pollution and, uh, and sin, unchecked sin. He is preaching in in, except for the last days, he is preaching in the most wicked time in uh, the history of man. As a matter of fact, the the last age, the end of the ages, the consummation of the age is compared to the days of Noah, and this would put him in the days of Noah, so this is the time of Enoch. It's just total spiritual darkness that's falling on the world, but the Bible says he walked with God. That is, he maintained a testimony and a relationship with God. And God took him, the Bible says, he was not, for God took him. So he's an Old Testament type of the rapture of the church. It gives us a little idea. Also, what is borrowed here, well, let's, let's read it. Uh, Enoch saying, behold, or look, the Lord has come amidst myriads of his holy ones. Ten thousands of ten thousands, myriads in the Greek Testament, in the New Testament, is, is a word that references without number. You can't count them. So the Lord is seen in verse 15 executing judgment. So he comes with myriads of his holy ones in the middle of his holy ones to execute judgment against all and to convict all the ungodly concerning all their works of ungodliness uh, which they have done in an ungodly way and concerning all of the uh, what uh, evil, harsh, the rough, mean things uh that uh, ungodly sinners have spoken against him, that is, against God. So, okay, let's uh, let's talk about what uh, 
Jude is saying here. Jude is actually drawing a reference from one of the books of the Apocrypha. Uh, it's, it's, of course, called the Book of Enoch. Now, our Lord Christ did not accept the apocryphal books as, as part of the inspired canon of Scripture. Therefore, we don't. However, here the Holy Spirit of God has led Jude to pick up on a quotation that that was made and has survived the flood and has come all the way down. So the inspired word of God takes a piece of that of that old ancient uh, pseudepigraphical or apocryphal book, if you want to call it that, and in in leading Jude to quote that part of the book. Uh, he at least approves that statement. And that statement is that he has, he, he, the, the behold or look, the Lord comes with myriads of his saints. And he's come to execute judgment. Now, uh, way back in, in the pre flood world, you have to use your imagination, but you see godly Enoch in your mind preaching to a generation that hates him for his preaching, that hates the God about whom he preaches. They're turning in a wholesale fashion against God, and there's wickedness uh, and and un, un, untold, unmitigated evil and sin completely through the gen, that part that part of time, in that time of that generation in the world. And so they are... They are just sold out to sin and evil. Enoch stands up in that day and he preaches. So the Spirit of God leads Jude to use this little quotation and make it part of our inspired New Testament. Now, think of Enoch, as I said earlier, giving this message. And in his message in the pre-flood world, this is way before Christ comes the first time, he is referring, not only in my view, he's probably in a contemporary sense referring to the coming judgment of the flood because he, he, he was in an ungodly age. He was surrounded by ungodliness in a world that was just immersed in sin and depravity. And it looked like sinners were getting away with everything they wanted to do, all of their evil deeds. But what Enoch did in a broader sense was he made it clear that judgment was coming. Not just judgment of the flood, but final judgment at the end of days, at the absolute end of days. And at that point in time, the ungodly would get what was coming to them. So this is a judgment that the, the, the book that parallels Jude is, is the little book of Second Peter. And uh, I think it's in chapter uh, 3. Peter also writes of, of, this, uh, of this judgment. Now, false teachers mocked this prophecy. They mocked and, and uh, debated and argued that Jesus Christ would never come and that God would never send judgment. Now, we always hear that from these 
do-gooders who don't want to be saved. They think they can save themselves. Uh, They don't like to think of a God of judgment, a God of wrath, a God who makes demands on them, who demands that they confess their sins as sinners and then look to him for salvation. They don't like that, so they mock it. And uh, this is the kind of generation that Jude lived in, but also it's the kind of Uh, attitude that these people had in the church, and it was so important for the church to learn this and to stand against these who were were sneaking uh, into the church. Uh, Peter went on in that, I think it's 2 Peter 3, he went on and he said that in the last days there would be scoffers, those who would mock the prophecy uh, the the truth, the doctrine of the second coming of Christ, uh, and uh, so they they were they were they were very self centered and humanistic in what they preached, what they taught, and what they believed, even back then. And we see the same kind of spirit. It's John calls it the spirit of Antichrist, and I can tell you, it's 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 been. The promise of Christ existed in the pre-flood world. It exists all the way through the Old Testament. And then, of course, the reality of it uh, comes in the New Testament. Christ is born of the Virgin. And then the doctrine of the second coming is clear in both Testaments uh, as well. So here's the deal. Judgment is coming upon all of the ungodly and those who have rebelled against God. Now, let's look at this one more time. To execute judgment, to convict the ungodly, he he convicts them, he brings the evidence against them, but there's no argument against it when judgment comes. Concerning all their works of ungodliness, which they have done in an ungodly, uh, that Greek word means an impious way. It means they were impious. They were just ungodly. They didn't have a sense of godliness about them at all. And concerning all the, the uh, rough, the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. We live in a day like that today. Um, I, saw, I saw pictures online where uh, a young man, he's a handsome young man, but he's holding up a placard that says... Uh, let Jesus let Jesus come back and we'll kill him again or something like that. Just awful, awful things about Christ, the ungodliness, the impiety of people on a whole scale. These, these must be the days of Noah that are leading us very soon to the second coming of Christ uh, because the very message of Enoch here uh, could be a message that we could use, uh, that we could use even even today. Uh, but it just proves that the Word of God is is true um, in that these scoffers and mockers are here, uh, even in our day as they were back then. So so what, is, what does Enoch's message say uh, about the judgment that is coming, especially in the finality of the judgment? Well, it's going to be a personal judgment. God is not going to send a proxy to judge us. God, we must stand before God ourselves. God will execute this judgment personally. He won't assign that task to anyone else. He will take it himself and he will stand as judge and the creator God will will call these ungodly, unsaved sinners 
into his presence at the last of the judgments, and he will judge them. And the results of their judgment, we saw that last time about the gloom of of darkness forever and and all of that. So people, Jude's day, the church was suffering at the hands of ungodly people. In Enoch's day, God's people were suffering at the hands of ungodly people. Today, over the centuries leading up to today, the people of God have suffered at the hands of the ungodly. But judgment is coming. This is the great message that we see here in the Scripture. And it even was a message that was being preached so long ago in uh, in the pre-flood world. He says he'll execute judgment upon all. Nobody's going to escape. This is a universal judgment. Just like the flood destroyed everybody outside of the ark. Just like the fire and brimstone of Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed everybody except Lot and his wife and their two daughters. Likewise, the last judgment will take out all of the ungodly, the impious, and will take them to their destruction. And it's going to be a judgment of justice because he says here that God will convict them of their sins. In other words, God's going to declare them guilty. You see, I'm guilty until I plead Christ and I go to Christ who becomes my substitute. And now in Christ, I'm justified. I am covered in the righteousness of Christ. And so my guilt has been taken away. My sins have been covered and God will not. When God looks at me, he is looking at me as though I possess the righteousness of Christ because of Christ's redemption and his work on uh, on the cross but at the last judgment you see no 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 jury no 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 uh, no appeal uh, no higher court it'll there'll be a there'll be a judgment there'll be a sentence that's passed but there won't be any appeal for it that'll be it now the Lord, it talks about their ungodly deeds. The Lord has a record. Books are open and then the book is open in the Revelation, it says. The Lord has a record of their ungodly deeds. I'm sure even a record of motives and hidden desires. Certainly a record of all of the things that have been. He said their harsh speech, speeches, the things that they've said. Well, Every word that we've spoken will be brought into judgment, we are told, <clears throat> in the Bible. So <clears throat> these uncivil people, these rough, harsh, impious, uncivil people are brought before God in the final judgment. And this is the great message that Jude, drawing upon Enoch, is making about the evil ones who are sneaking uh, into the church. Now, there's one last one last verse here, and this verse actually joins the description of 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 these uh, of these evil people who have come into the church. And verse 16 sort of completes this list. He says, "These are uh, murmurers or grumblers. They're grumblers. They're discontented." They're following after their own lusts. And 
their mouth speaks uh their mouth speaks uh what's a great swollen words uh, it speaks of inflated accessible excessive excessive words um we're, you know, we weigh everything against the Word of God, and people who bloviate beyond the Word of God are, are fitted into this category. Uh, flattering, flattering, well, the word is faces. Flattering uh, faces for the sake of profit. All right, so let's, Let's summarize here this list. We're going to have to go back a little bit from uh, from where we are in that we begin in verse fourteen. So here it goes uh, the list. And I'm going to scroll back up here. These hypocrites. Okay, so there. This I guess I'm going to begin this in verse back up in verse twelve. They are uh, filthy spots. Peter called them spots and blemishes who have invaded the love feasts of the local churches. Uh, he called them uh, selfish shepherds. Instead of shepherding the flock and caring for the needs of the people, they only took care of themselves. Um, he called them empty clouds, um, Clouds are supposed to bring the promise of rain, but these these don't bring anything. They're empty. These who come into the church like that, he called them up here. He called them dead trees. There it is. They're fruitless. They have nothing that they can provide. Uh, ra uh, raging what? Raging waves of the of the sea. Uh, again, they they only produce they only produce uh, nastiness. Um, they have proud, arrogant speech, but they produce nothing. Then he called them wandering stars. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't fix your gaze on them as a guide to travel through darkness. They were just totally useless. Then finally, he completes that list here in this verse sixteen. They are grumblers or murmurers. And discontent, they're complainers, they complain. Uh, it emphasizes how dangerous these people are. They're out to please themselves, out to take advantage of other people and get the church away from the church's work. Peter references this back over in Second uh, Peter, oh, maybe around the uh, middle of verse 2. Uh, he talks about how they they have a covetous heart, uh, and that's why they do what they do. Uh, they they have a, in other words they have a developed a highly developed technique uh, of using other people to gratify their own lusts, and then they grumble and complain. Nothing can discourage other people than to be around people who just grumble and complain all the time. One of the great charges against Israel in the Old Testament was how they murmured and they grumbled uh, and they they complained. And they, actually, Israel was judged because of their uh, complaining. 
So now uh, this, these false teachers bring in a spirit of criticism, a spirit of dissatisfaction, and this can cause people to doubt certain things and even lead them into false, false teaching. So uh, the good news is that what they are doing is headed for judgment. And the great warning that Jude gives is to warn the church about the danger of these apostates, these false teachers who have come in. Now, we're going to stop there since this is a, a division of the book of Jude, and we'll pick up God willing. Uh, Godwin will pick up in verse 17 next time. Thank you so much for studying Jude with us. 